Hey, brothers and sisters, uh, praise us be to our loving Abba that we are gathered once again to study his words and commands. So right now we're going to go back to the book of Numbers. We will go over Numbers 11 and Numbers 12. The last time we spoke about the book of Numbers, we were, of course, preparing for the trek, the long journey through the wilderness onwards to the promised land. I'd like to remind everyone that our journey here on earth in many ways are, is similar to the journey of the people of Israel to the promised land. So there's much that we can learn. The topic of our lesson today is Tavera. We'll find out soon enough what exactly that word actually means. So let's go ahead and jump to the book of Numbers 11.1. 1. Our question is, shortly after they embarked on that journey through the wilderness to the promised land, what happened to the people of Israel? Numbers 11 and the verses 1. Soon the people began to complain about their hardship. Yahuwah heard everything they said. Then Yahuwah's anger blazed against them, and he sent a fire to rage among them, and he destroyed some of the people in the outskirts of the camp. So what happened shortly after the people of Israel began their journey, their long journey to the promised land? The Bible says soon, what did they start to do? Bible says they started to complain. I don't know about you, but what have you noticed about the people of Yahuwah, Israel? So far, the book of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and now Numbers, what we can see is that they're probably a hard-headed people, right? Stubborn people. That is what the Bible reveals. However, we can pretty much say that about humanity in general, not just specifically the Israelites. This is why we're going to look at today the complaints of the people of God. So soon after they left through the wilderness, they started complaining. This should remind us of what happened after Israel was delivered by Yahuwah God from the Egyptians. When God took them through the Red Sea, you know what happened just three days after that? Let's go back to Exodus 15, 27 Then Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea, and they moved out into the desert of Shur. They traveled in this desert for three days without finding any water. When they came to the oasis of Marah, the water was too bitter to drink, so they called the place Marah, which means bitter. Then the people complained and turned against Moses. What are we going to drink? They demanded. And so complaining was not a new thing. It was something very common for the people of Israel. So history kind of repeats itself. This is why we need to understand the dynamics involved when it comes to human, the human nature to complain. Why do people complain? And we believe the book of Numbers, specifically 11 and 12, has a lot to say about the nature of people and their complaints. So why do people complain? Numbers 11.1, 1, soon the people began to complain about their, what does it say? About their hardship. When people experience hardship, they want to blame and they like to complain. Is this true or not? How many here have experienced hardship before? When you feel something difficult in life, there's a tendency to complain. So that's one of the first things we need to understand about complaints. When things become hard, there's a tendency to 
complain. However, when we complain as a people of God, what does the Bible reveal? Numbers 11 verse 1 against whom the people began to complain about their hardship. And Yahuwah heard everything they said. Then Yahuwah was angered. Anger blazed against them. And he sent a fire to rage among them. And he destroyed some of the people in the outskirts of the camp. And so what do we need to understand when people complain? You know, it's, it's human nature to complain. But sometimes we can complain so loudly, other people hear. How many here, when they complain, they kind of keep the complaint to themselves? How many here? You saw the last? Well, how many here complain loudly? In a sense that they talk to others about their complaints and they spread their complaint. What happens when you spread your complaints among the people? Pretty soon it becomes pretty loud, right? And who listens to conversations concerning complaints? Bible says Yahuwah heard everything that they said. And because he heard everything that they said, what happened against them? Yahuwah's anger blazed against them. He sent a fire to rage among them. And so the fire became so intense. What did the people of Israel do? Numbers 11, 2 down to 3, the people cried out to Moses for help. Want to pause there for a while? You can tell about, you can tell a lot about a person's spirituality when you look at what they do in times of distress. Notice they cried out to Moses instead of crying out to who? Yahuwah God, right? So they cried out to Moses. What did Moses do? He prayed to Yahuwah, and the fire died down. So Yahuwah listened to the prayer of Moses. So the place was named Taborah, because there the fire of Yahuwah burned among them. The word Taborah means a burning place. And so complaints lead us to a burning place. This is why we need to be careful about the complaints that we spread because it deters, it hinders the work of Yahuwah. Now, what do we notice about the role of Moses when he was leading the people of Israel through the wilderness of the promised land? Well, when you look at what he did, he prayed to Yahuwah God on behalf of the people of Israel, right? Prior to this, he, is, uh, he was the instrument to establish the priesthood. Prior to this, he was the giver of the laws and the covenant. This is why in the Old Testament, we can say with great confidence that Moses was the mediator of the Old Testament. Can we agree with this? Because it's quite evident the role of Moses was to stand as the leader, the chosen leader by Yahuwah to lead his people Israel. And so he was the instrument so that the fire that blazed against the people of Israel died down, right? Just like when Yahushua became our intercessor, the wrath of God died down. Moses, because he prayed on behalf of the people of Israel, he prayed to Yahuwah, and so he was able to kind of cause the anger of God to abate. However, shortly after that, you would think 
that they would learn not to complain anymore, right? But what happened right away? Numbers 11, 46. Now the mixed multitude, wanna pause there for a while. What is this mixed multitude? Who are they? They were non-Israelites. When Israel left Egypt, the observers, Egyptians and other cultures and ethnicities, they saw that Yahuwah God was the God of all. And they noticed the power of God that the Egyptian quote-unquote gods, they were not really gods, they were just idols. And so they saw the power of Yahuwah God, so they decided to join the people of Israel. And so God took them in. And God applied to them what the decrees and the oracles that he gave his people. He embraced them. God was not just looking after the people of Israel in terms of ethnicity. He included all ethnicities. This was the mixed multitude. However, look at what happened to them. Now, the mixed multitude, the foreigners, who were among them, yielded to what? Intense craving. So the children of Israel also wept again and said, who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish, which we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our whole being is dried up. There is nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. You would think that the people of Israel learned it's not a good idea to complain against the of God, right? But what do they continue to do? The mixed multitude, together with the other children of Israel, they began to complain about the menu. What was the menu? What was the one thing on the menu? Mana. What did they want? They wanted options. They wanted meal number one, meal number two, meal number three. What's meal number one? Fish. What's meal number two? Cucumbers with melons. What's meal number three? Leeks, onions, or garlic. And so they said, you know, we miss these meals that we had in, the, in, in Egypt. Although, in actuality, when they were in Egypt, did they really have those things? You see, sometimes when you're complaining, you begin to exaggerate, right? Your memories kind of fool you. Nevertheless, they were complaining because they had no meat to eat. But here's my question. What really is the cause of their complaint? You know what it is? What really is the cause of their complaint? If you look at the question there, what they said in their complaint, they said, who will give us meat to eat? Did Yahuwah God prohibit them from hunting an animal and killing it to eat? No. He even gave a command in Leviticus, remember? If you're going to catch an animal to eat, what are you, you going to do first? You're going to pour the blood and cover it with dirt. Don't eat the flesh with its blood. Did God prohibit them from eating meat? What's the answer? No. But what did they want? Oh, they wanted God to kind of like the manna. God to like rain down meat. So they don't have to do any work. And so what can we say about them? They became lazy. Entitled. Yahuwah God delivered us from the Egyptians. So they kind of felt entitled. We are the people of God. We got mana from heaven. I am special. They became entitled again. And so now they became lazy. And so that laziness, I want God himself to give me my meals the way I want it. 
And so that led to complaints. So reason number two why people complain, laziness, because they feel entitled. It's a great thing to belong to the people of God. However, it doesn't mean you don't get to do anything. It doesn't mean it's an excuse for laziness. What else uh, did they is the cause for the people's complaints. Numbers 11, 7 to 9. The mana looked like small coriander seeds, and it was pale yellow like gum resin. The people would go out and gather it from the ground. They made flour by grinding it with hand mills or pounding it in mortars. Then they boiled it in a pot and made it into flat cakes. These cakes tasted like pastries. Baked with olive oil. The mana came down on the camp with the dew during the night. What else did they take for granted? Which is the cause of their complaints. They took for granted the provision of God giving them mana. This was literally bread from where? From heaven. How did it taste like? Like pastries baked with olive oil. That sounds like a donut to me, doesn't it? It's a nutritious donut. How many here like donuts? We like donuts and we wish we could eat a lot of donuts, but we know we can't because it's not exactly good for you, right? These manas, the mana was like donut, but it was very nutritious. It gives you strength and sustenance and nourishment so that you can withstand the rigors of going through the wilderness. This is why they took for granted such a wonderful piece of food. And when you do that, it because you you are eventually going to complain. So one of the other reasons people complain is because of ingratitude. They take for granted what God has blessed them with. What else is the cause of complaints? Let's read here in the book of Numbers 11 and 10. Moses heard all the people complaining as they stood around in groups at the entrances of their tents. He was distressed because Yahuwah had become angry with them. So here's Moses. He's listening to the complaints of the Israelites, right? What, what did he feel? He, he was stressed out because from different places, when they go to the tabernacle area, all he can hear from the mouths of the people of Israel were complaints. And so this caused Moses to become distressed. When a person is distressed, do you think you're going to be complaining too? Sometimes when a person is distressed, they end up complaining, right? Mm -hmm. Moses felt distressed. I wonder, Moses, the chosen leader of Yahuwah, the chosen leader of the people of Israel, I wonder if Moses would also complain to God. What do you think? <laughs> it could be possible. I mean, the people of Israel started complaining. Maybe person chosen by Yahuwah God will also complain. Let's keep reading 11 to 15. So Moses said to Yahuwah, why have you afflicted your servant? Oh boy. <laughs> Who is Moses blaming? God. He says, why have you afflicted your servant? It kind of gets worse. I really don't want to read the next passage, but it's in the Bible, so I think we should read it. What do you think, Brother Matty? Yeah? Well, let's keep reading, huh? This is what Moses says to Yahuwah. And why have I not found favor in your sight? Yet you have laid the burden of all these people on me. Yeah. You can see Moses beginning to complain. See, it's human nature. 
you think you're all good? You think you're not gonna, you're not the complaining type? Moses was really not the complaining type, but look at this. Did I conceive all these people? Did I beget them that you should say to me, carry them in your bosom as a garden carries a nursing child to the land which you swore to their fathers? Or am I going to get meat to give to all these people? Or they weep all over me, saying, give us meat that we may eat. I am not able to bear all these people alone because the burden is too heavy for me. If you treat me like this, please kill me here and now. If I have found favor in your sight and do not let me see my wretchedness. You can kind of feel for Moses, right? Kind of empathize with him. I mean, put yourself in his shoes. He's leading millions of people and all of them are complaining against him. How would you feel? Because they cannot really complain against God because they can't see him. They can't reach out to God and file a complaint. So who do they complain against? The leader. <laughs> and so how did Moses take it? Not well. He was distressed by the affliction. What was the cause of the affliction? It was these childish people complaining to him. And so even the great ones like Moses... When they have distress from great affliction, it also causes them to complain. What else is the reason why Moses complained? If we go back to that passage, Moses said, the burden is too heavy for me. We all have burdens. But if that burden is too heavy for us to carry, eventually you're going to complain. Like my daughter Jen, if I ask her, can you help me carry this bag of rice? 50 pound bag of rice. That's pretty heavy. Right, Jenna? Can you help me carry this? Just to the car. Okay, Dad. So she carries the bag of rice. We go to the car. Oh, Dad, where's the car? It's like two blocks away. <laughs> What's she going to say? No, Dad, give it to Brent. Right? Because it's too heavy. When you carry a burden too heavy for you, eventually you're going to complain. That's another reason why people complain the burden is too heavy what else well, Moses also said do not let me see my wretchedness this is why he said to Yahuwah kill me now that's what he said just kill me now I don't want to see my wretchedness in other words he doesn't want to see his weakness you see when the people of Israel began to complain against him it revealed his weakness and sometimes when we become aware of our own wretchedness, when we become aware of our own weakness, there's a tendency for us to also complain. What else is the reason why people complain to God? And what was Yahuwah God's response to the complaint of the people because they want more food, they want meat to eat? Numbers 11, 18 to 20, now tell the people, purify yourselves for tomorrow, you will have meat to eat. I want to pause it for a while. When Yahuwah God said, I'm going to give you meat to eat. Is that a blessing? Yeah. You know when God gives a blessing to his people? For his people who are spiritual, that blessing is good. But for his people who are not spiritual, what's the opposite of spiritual? Carnal, fleshly. For those who are fleshly, 
God's blessing can break them. It can cause them leanness of soul. And so we have what God says here, purify yourselves, for tomorrow you will have meat to eat. Yahuwah has heard your whining and saying that you wish you had some meat and that you were better off in Egypt. Now, Yahuwah will give you meat. And here's the thing. You will have to eat it. You will have to eat it, not just for one or two days or five or ten or even twenty days, but for a whole month until it comes out of your ears, until you are sick of it. This will happen because you have rejected Yahuwah who is here among you and have complained to him that you should never have left Egypt. And so Yahuwah said, okay, you want meat? What do you say? You're going to get meat. But here's the thing. You have to eat all of it. Right? You're going to have meat. You're going to eat it for two days. Five days, no. Not ten days, no. Not twenty days, but for all. How many here? Let's try the keto diet. Oh, you can eat meat. You know why people give up keto? Because after five days of steak, you don't ever want to see steak again. Am I right? And so here's your food. You want meat? You want meat more than you want the promised land? You want meat more than you want me? Okay, have it your way. You know, a dangerous thing is when Yahuwah God says, I'm going to give you exactly what you want. That's a dangerous thing. When God gives us to our own cravings, because we are overtaken by our craving, it's a dangerous thing. And so here's Yahuwah. He says, I'm going to give you meat, but you have to eat all of the meat. And there's something else attached to that. What else? What else did, what did Moses say to Yahuwah? When Yahuwah said, I'm going to give them meat. Well, <laughs> Numbers 11, 21 to 22. Here's Moses. Moses said to Yahuwah, here I am, leaving 600,000 people. He was referring just to the, the males, right? The warriors who were 21 and above. And you, and you say that you will give them enough meat for a month. Could enough cattle and sheep be killed to satisfy them? Are all the fish in the sea enough for them? And so, you notice something about Moses. He was not in a good place, right? I mean, he was complaining against Yahuwah. And so when you complain against Yahuwah, you're not exactly spiritual. And when you're not spiritual, when your human nature kind of uh, takes over, you see things from the human perspective. You, you hear Yahuwah promises people and give you all this meat to eat. And here's Moses using his cognitive skills, using his brain power. Wait a minute, there's 600,000 males here. And even if we get all the sheep and all the cattle and all the fish in the sea, there's not enough. So he began to calculate, right? Using his human nature and his human intellect and human wisdom, he says, basically after he looks at the situation and assesses what he has, he says, this is impossible, right? He's trying to figure out how can the people of Israel be fed with all this meat? And so we can see here, Moses is still complaining, right? And the, re the reason why he's complaining is because, number seven, 
he really cannot think of how the problem can be solved. He cannot understand how, right? But what does Yahuwah God say to him? Numbers 11.23. Here it is. Is there a limit to my power? Yahuwah answered. You will soon see whether what I have said will happen or not. And so here's Moses. He's thinking about how on earth are you going to feed all these people when there's not enough fish in the sea, not enough sheep or cattle that we have. How are you going to feed all these people? What do you hear God say? Is there a limit to my power? You see, when people complain, they forgot, they forget the power of God. When people complain, they fail to see that Yahuwah created the sheep and the fish and even the sea where the fish is at and even the world where the water is in and the whole universe, right? And so when people forget the power of God, they begin to complain. In fact, that's one of the reasons why people complain. Number eight, they forget about God's unlimited, God's awesome power that he can do everything because he created everything. What did it take for Yahuwah God to create all that has been created? Just a breath, right? A word. That's all he needed to do because he has power. So never forget the power of Yahuwah our God. Now when God sent the quail, what happened? Or when God sent the food, the when he got, he delivered the promise. How was it manifested? How did he deliver the promise? Numbers 11, 31 to 32. Now there went forth a wind from Yahuwah, and it brought quail from the sea, and let them fall beside the camp, about a day's journey on this side, and a day's journey on the other side, all around the camp, and about two cubits deep on the surface of the ground. The people spent all day and all night and all the next day, and gathered the quail. He who gathered least gathered ten homers, and they spread them out for themselves all around the camp. And so when God fulfilled his promise, how did he do it? By a wind from Yahuwah, he brought quails from the sea. Moses probably was not thinking that God was going to do that, right? Of all the different things that you can eat, why quail? I have no idea. But God chose quail. You know what quail is, by the way? What is quail? It's like chicken, right? Small chicken? Small cheese. Yeah, small yeah chicken. like small chicken-like creatures. Yeah. And so if you have like a, a happy meal, one quail happy meal, you got like one whole quail, right? Where everyone gets a quail. And God sent not just one or two quails. The Bible says he brought so much quail, it covered the outskirts of the camp. And here we will see it will reveal for us the people who are carnal, the people who have this craving. You know what? Notice where the quail went. The Bible says about a day's journey on from one side to the next, right? So at the outskirts of the camp. Remember, at the center of the camp, what is at the center of the camp? The center of the camp. The tabernacle, which represented spirituality, represented God, right? So the people who were more in love with God, they probably were not the first ones to kind of run towards the outskirts of the camp, collecting quail. You can kind of see like a setting apart 
the people who have this intense craving for meat, they were the first ones to leave the tabernacle and go to the get the quail, right? And so what happened next? Numbers 11, 33, 35, well, they were still... While there was still plenty of meat for them to eat, Yahuwah became angry with the people and caused an epidemic to break out among them. That place was named Kibroth Hata'aba, which means graves of craving, because there they buried the people who had craved meat. From there, the people moved to Hazaroth, where they made camp. And so God noticed the people who all they cared about was meat. Is it okay to have meat? Yes. You might be thinking, oh no, we cannot eat meat. That's not the point here. We gotta be careful when it comes to making conclusions on the biblical passages. The point here is not about meat. The point here is about being controlled by your craving for meat. In other words, Yahuwah noticed that there were people who could not control their craving. And so because of that, they forgot their spiritual responsibility to Yahuwah. And so what happened to them? They were killed by an epidemic. This is why that place was called Kibroth Hata'abah. What does that mean? Graves of craving. And so people complain when they become slaves of their fleshly cravings. It's okay to desire things and to want things. But if you're controlled by these desires, then that will lead you to complaint. And it will lead to the burning anger of Yahuwah, our God. What else uh, can cause complaints? Let's read here. The book of Numbers 12, 1, 2, 3. Moses, or Numbers 12 now. Moses had married a Cushite woman. Miriam and Aaron criticized him for it. They said, has Yahuwah spoken only through Moses? Hasn't he also spoken through us? Yahuwah heard what they said. Moses was a humble man, more humble than anyone else on earth. Do you know who wrote the book of Numbers? Moses. Look at verse 3. I wonder how Moses felt when he had to write that. Moses was a humble man, more humble than anyone else on earth. He was humble. Yes, he was the appointed leader of the people of Israel, but he remained humble. However, there were people who were kind of uh, kind of jealous, right? Who were they? Miriam and Aaron. What is the relation of Moses to Miriam and Aaron? What is the relationship? Siblings. Those are his siblings. Miriam and Aaron criticized Moses. For what? For marrying a Cushite woman. Was it against the law of God to marry a Cushite woman? No. Then why were they criticizing Moses? For something else at work here. What could that be? Well, someone said, they said, this is probably Miriam's voice, although we cannot say the complaint was, hasn't he also spoken through us? You know? I mean, it doesn't specifically say what they were crit criticizing. I mean, the reason why they're criticizing Moses. But when you look at Miriam, 
It could be that Miriam is jealous. Maybe Aaron is also jealous, but I doubt it. It's probably more Miriam. Why? Because she married a Cushite woman. And so what could she possibly be thinking? Well, if Moses is married to this Cushite woman, maybe this Cushite woman will take away my role as the leader, the female leader of the people of Israel. Was Miriam a female leader? Yeah. Remember Exodus 15, 20, 21, the prophet Miriam? Aaron's sister took her tambourine, and all the women followed her, playing tambourines and dancing. Miriam sang for them, sing to Yahuwah, because he has won a glorious victory. He has thrown the horses and provided us into the sea. And so Miriam was, maybe we can say, the choir director? <laughs> I don't know. But Miriam was leading the praise, using the tambourine, and singing and dancing praise to Yahuwah God. And so maybe, I mean, this is just contemplation, could be that Miriam was a little jealous of this Cushite woman who, may, who might replace her, right? And so she began to criticize Moses. And so she began to complain, which takes us to number 10. Sometimes when we complain, it's because we're jealous of others. Maybe we want what the other people have. And when you are jealous of what other people have, it leads you to complain. And for you to complain, sometimes you have to look for faults. You begin to look for faults to complain against because you, deep inside, are jealous of others. So why do people complain? Number one, because of hardship. Number two, laziness from entitlement. Number three, gratitude. Number four, they have great distress from affliction. Number five, the burden is too heavy. Number six, they become aware of their own wretchedness or weakness. Number seven, uh, they cannot think of how the problem can be solved. Number eight, they forget the power of Yahuwah. Number nine, they're controlled by the cravings of their flesh. And number ten, they are jealous of others. So people complain. How many here can relate to some of these reasons why people complain? Perhaps some of us can look at one or two or three, right? How many here like number two? <laughs> number two, laziness from entitlement. How many here, number eight, or number seven, number ten? You know why we are spending some time about this? Because when you look at the book of Numbers, do you know what we can call the book of Numbers, the whole book of Numbers? We can call it the book about complaining. Why? Because the book of Numbers is a chronicle of complaining. Chapter 11, it's over misfortunes and the menu, right? They complain about that. Chapter 12, it, they complain against because of Moses' decision. Chapter 14, it's over men who are gigantic and meaningful memories of Egypt. We're going to talk about them in 14. 16, it's over Moses and Aaron's authority, right? Korah, Nathan, Abiram. Uh, chapter 20, it's over minimal water supplies. Chapter 21 is over the migration through the wilderness. And so we can call the book of Numbers a chronicle of complaint. The people of God, when they're going through the wilderness, guess what? They have a tendency to do what? Complain. Are we going through some kind of journey now? What do you think we might also feel like doing sometimes? Complain, right? So what do we need to do? We need to find solutions. We need to prepare ourselves so we don't get overtaken by complaint. You agree? And so let's look at these 10 and look at solutions. I want you to help me come up with solutions 
to the reasons why people complain. Let's begin with number one, because of hardship. What biblical verse comes to mind? How can you counsel someone who, because of hardship, they begin to complain? Because when you go when you go through hardships in life, of course, you're going to complain. Maybe you lost a job. Maybe you don't have enough to pay rent. You're going to start complaining, right? And so what do we need to do? Well, what does God give us? Because God, in his word, we have all the solution we need. We believe that. And so in the book of Hebrews 13, 5-6, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Perhaps when people say we're complaining because of our hardship, maybe they haven't looked at how some people from third world countries live, right? We need to realize, brethren, here, especially here in the United States, even if you say you're in deep poverty, you still got it good, right? When you really think about it, you still got it good compared to other people from different parts of the world. This is when the Bible says, be content with what you have, because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Okay, how about number two? Laziness from entitlement. Oh, I, I'm a child of God. Because if they're a child, I must be lazy. You know what I mean? I'm going to be saved anyways, right? I don't really have to work hard. I don't have to study. I just pray to God. God gives me A's, sometimes A pluses. <laughs> My daughter's going at this. Oh, I tried that, Dad. It didn't work. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Right? And so, what can we say to someone who's lazy because they feel entitled? The book of Romans 12, 11, 12. Work hard and do not be lazy. Serve the Lord with a heart full of devotion. Let your hope keep you joyful. Be patient in your troubles and pray at all times. What do we need to understand so that we're not overtaken by laziness because of entitlement? The Bible says if we have been called by Yahuwah God to belong to Yahusha, his son, what do we need to do? We need to serve the Lord. We need to serve Yahusha. We were called not just to wait. We were called to work. What kind of work? We have to work with joy. What moves us to work with joy? Our hope. What is our hope? Our hope is not here on earth. This is why the Bible says we're pilgrims, right? Where is our true home? The holy city. And so what should give us hope is really not what we have here on earth. We're pilgrims here. Our true hope is the holy city. And if we really believe that hope, what must be seen in us? We're working hard. We're not lazily waiting. Because there are some who say, I'm just going to wait I'm going to wait for Yahuwah to correct the church. I'm going to wait for Yahuwah to do this and to do that. I'm just going to wait. That's it. Passive waiting. No. There's no such thing as passive waiting as far as Yahushans are concerned. We serve the Lord. We work hard. We are not lazy. The next one, ingratitude. What does Apostle Paul say about that? Philippians 4, 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. You know, when we're worried because of the hardships of life, Bible says don't worry. Instead of worrying, what do we need to do? We should pray. Pray about what? Everything. God says you can pray about everything. And when you pray about everything, guess what? Apostle Paul says it's okay to ask for what you need. 
Have we done that before? Have we gone to God and say, this is what I need, loving Abba? We can do that. We should do that. We must do that. That's what God gave us, the gift of prayer. However, when we do that, the Bible says, thank him for all he has done. You see, when we ask in prayer, it must be from a thankful heart, not an ungrateful heart. Okay? Next one, they have great distress from affliction. You know, when a person is afflicted by anything, by anything in life, there's a tendency for them to complain a lot. And so what should we do? Isaiah 26, verse 3, you will keep in perfect, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. So whenever we are afflicted, maybe we're persecuted, maybe we're going through difficult times. Instead of focusing on the affliction, if you focus on the affliction, you're going to complain. What should we focus on? Yahuwah our God. We need to fix our thoughts on Yahuwah God. If we will do this, we will have what is called perfect peace. A peace that surpasses all understanding. Okay, number five, the burden is too heavy. What does Yahusha say about that? Let's read the book of Matthew 11, 28 to 30. Then Yahusha said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I'm humble and gentle of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear. The burden I give you is light. This is the invitation of Yahushua. If we feel the burden we carry is too heavy, it means you haven't yoked up with Yahushua. You're, you're not supposed to be carrying that. You're supposed to be surrendering to Yahushua. Right? It means we need to partner, we need to unite with, we need to be with Yahushua. If we want true rest, we need to let Yahushua carry these burdens for us. However, what would that mean? If we want Yahushua to carry these heavy burdens for us, it means we have to be close to Him. We need to be in Him. We need to be yoked up with Him. In other words, we need to allow Him to lead our life. You know the reason why we have so many burdens is because we're trying to direct and lead our own life. That's not the way it's supposed to work. We need to let Yahusha lead us. He's the head oxen or followers. When you think of the, uh, the image of a ox, two, two oxen yoked together, there's a lead oxen, there's a follower oxen. We're the follower. Yahusha is the lead. We need to let him lead. But if we will go our own way without Yahusha, the burdens we carry is going to be too big, too too, too heavy for us to carry. This is why we need to let Yahusha lead us. Number six, they become aware of their own wretchedness or weakness. You know, weakness is a good thing. Why? Because if you're not weak and you think you're strong and not weak, what's going to happen to you? You're going to become what? Proud, right? You think you can do it all. I don't need anyone. This is why... What did Apostle Paul say about that? 2 Corinthians 12, 9 to 10. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses. So that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses. And in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, 
then I am strong. Isn't that beautiful? Apostle Paul is bragging here. And he's bragging about being weak. You know other people brag about their strengths, right? I'm rich. My IQ is 180. I have all these cars. I have two swimming pools in my backyard. I have many homes. Here's Apostle Paul. He says, I'm bragging about my weakness. Why? Why did he brag about his weakness? Because when he is weak, it leaves room for the power of Christ to work through him. This is why he said, I'm proud of my weaknesses. When I am weak, then I am strong. This is why, brethren, if you're being persecuted because of the name of Yahushua, and in your persecution you feel weak, you are never alone. The weaker you are, the more Yahushua is in you. This is why there are people who, like Apostle Paul, in times of distress, all the more what is manifested in their life is the power of Yahushua in their life. This is why there's no reason for us to complain. Number seven, they cannot think of how the problem can be solved. And are you in this kind of situation? Maybe some of you are in a predicament of some kind. And you're trying your best, okay? You got your calculator on your left hand. You got your pad of paper and ball pen on your right hand. And you're computing things and you look at different positions, different ways. It just doesn't add up. You're thinking, and with your own wisdom and understanding, you come up with a conclusion this is impossible. And so what happens? You begin to complain. What does the Bible say? Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. Trust in Yahuwah with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your heart. That's this is why it didn't make sense when Moses said to Yahuwah, wait a minute, you don't have enough fish. You don't have enough sheep. You don't have enough cattle. How are you going to do this? What did he forget? He was leaning on his own understanding. Sometimes we do that, don't we? We look at the situation and we measure the situation with our own ability. No. Whatever situation you're at, we need to measure that with God's ability. And with God, we know nothing is possible. And so we need to trust. When we trust in Yahuwah, instead of trusting our own wisdom and understanding, Yahuwah will direct our path. In other words, he will guide us the proper resolution of whatever predicament we are in. What else? Eight, they forget the power of Yahuwah. If you forget how powerful Yahuwah is, we're going to end up complaining. But so that we can always have this understanding that we will always know Yahuwah was almighty. What do we need to do? Psalm 77, 11, 13. I will remember the deeds of Yahuwah. Yes. I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will meditate on all your works and consider all your mighty deeds. Your ways, O oh God, are holy. What God is so great as our God. As human beings, there's a tendency to forget God's blessings and to remember our afflictions. That's human nature, right? You forget the blessings, you, for, you remember the hardships, the negatives. You forget the positives, you remember the negatives. The Bible says what we need to do is to purposely remember the deeds, remember the miracles, to meditate on all the works of Yahuwah. The more we do that, the more we are in touch with the power of Yahuwah our God. Number nine, they are controlled by the cravings of 
their flesh. There are people who are addicted to things, right? What is the basis of their addiction? They are slaves to their cravings. This is why their Lord is what? Their body, their belly. Does the Bible speak about that? Their Lord is their own belly. And so what does Apostle Paul teach concerning that? Galatians 5, 16, 23. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. And so what does Apostle Paul teach us? So that we don't end up becoming slaves or controlled by our sinful nature or our fleshly cravings. The Bible says, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. How can we know if our life is being guided by the Holy Spirit? By the fruit that we produce. Are we showing love, and joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, gentleness? Because when there is this good fruit, when we have love, and peace, and patience, guess what follows that? Look at the last one. What does it say? Self. It's also a fruit of the Spirit. This is why... We need to let the Spirit guide us. We need to be led by the Holy Spirit. Number 10, we are jealous of others. You know, when people are jealous, it only means they're not content, right? They're not content. They want what others have. And so what would be the remedy for that? Psalms 37 verse 4, take delight in Yahuwah, and he will give you your heart's desires. There are people who wanted to get married, but they remain single. And they look at people who are married and they say, oh man, I can never be happy. And so they become jealous. Brother, sister, take delight in Yahuwah. Take delight in Yahuwah. Whatever you may be missing out on here on earth, make Yahuwah your delight. And when you make Yahuwah your delight, you know what you're going to eventually discover? Your heart's deepest desire is not anything here on earth. In actuality, your heart's deepest desire is who? Yahuwah. You see, when you have that kind of close fellowship with Yahuwah, there's nothing else that you would really want. This is why, brethren, to overcome that jealousy thing, we need to take delight and find our happiness and joy in Yahuwah, our God. So those are the things we need to do to overcome complaints so that we don't end up becoming like Miriam, right? Complain to Moses. Whatever happened to Miriam, by the way, when he complained, when he criticized Moses, let's go back to Numbers 12. We haven't finished Numbers 12. Let's go back there. Once Yahuwah said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, remember, when they were complaining, when they were criticizing Moses, Yahuwah God was listening. And so God gathers all three of them and says, come out to the tent of meeting, all three of you. So the three of them come out, came out. Then Yahuwah came down in a pillar of cloud. He stood at the entrance to the tent and summoned Aaron and Miriam. When both of them stepped forward, he said, listen to my words. When a prophet of Yahuwah is among you, I reveal myself to him in visions. I speak to him in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. 
With him I speak face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of Yahuwah. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And so when Yahuwah God was listening to the complaint of Miriam, Miriam takes Moses, Aaron, and Miriam and talks to them, right? What did he say to them? He said, Moses is different. The other prophets, I speak to them, yes. I use them as instruments, yes. But I speak to them through visions and dreams. Moses is different. How different was Moses? The Bible says, I speak to him face to face. What is Yahuwah God showing the three of them? That Moses is above them. Did you get that? He is not among them. He was a level higher than them. Why? Because Yahuwah used him to establish a new a covenant. A covenant with his people. This is why when you complain, when you criticize Moses, it was like criticizing or complaining against who? God. Right? Moses was the face-to-face -face, face -face, um, spokesperson of Yahuwah God himself. God got it directly from him, not through some other way. And this is why he was special. He was different. He was very different from the other prophets, right? And so when Miriam began to speak against Moses, God was angry. In fact, he was so angry, what happened to Miriam? Numbers 12, 9 to 12, the anger of Yahuwah burned against them, and he left them. When the cloud lifted from above, the tent there stood Miriam, leprous like snow. Oh boy, what happened to Miriam because he criticized Moses? Miriam became leprous. She got leprosy. Was she punished by God? Was God angry with Miriam for criticizing Moses? Yes or no? Yes. Yes! But here's the thing. You know, there's a problem with that. There are some people today who use this passage of Scripture and say to the congregation, if you criticize me, you'll be punished by God just like how Moses or how God punished Miriam for criticizing Moses. Are there religions like that today? I think you know there's some churches today who has an executive leader of the church. You cannot criticize an executive leader. No, no, no. Because if you are to do that, you are criticizing God himself. You are going to be punished like Miriam, right? Isn't that true? If you criticize the executive leader of the church, you'll be punished like Miriam. However, we need to understand something about this. If he will apply the passage to himself, then he's making himself like who? Like Moses, right? If someone will tell you, if you criticize me, just like you're criticizing God, if you criticize me, you're going to be punished like Miriam, then he's making himself to be like who? Well, Moses. Moses was different. He was like the mediator of the Old Testament. Who is his counterpart in the New Testament? <laughs> who is the mediator of the, new, of the New Covenant? 
Hebrews 9, 15, 20. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of the new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant, in that, in the case of a will, it is necessary to prove the death of the one who made it. Because a will is enforced only when somebody has done. It never takes effect while the one who made it is living. This is why even the first covenant was put into effect without blood. When Moses had proclaimed every commandment of the law to all the people, he took the blood of calves together with water, scarlet wool, and branches of hyssop, and sprinkled the scroll with all the people. He said, this is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you to keep. Who's the counterpart of Moses? Yahushua. He is the author of the new covenant, a mediator of the new covenant. This is why if a person, if a religious leader today will say, if you criticize me, then just like what happened to Miriam, you will be punished. If they apply that to themselves, guess what? It's like they're claiming to be Yahusha. They are taking, bringing themselves to the same level as Yahusha. This is why none of the apostles made that claim. As a matter of fact, in the New Testament, who is our executive leader? Who? has taken over the role of Moses to be our mediator, to be the one we need. Galatians 3, 24, 25. Therefore, the law, let's pause it for a while, when the Bible speaks of the law, who is that reference to? Who gave the law? Moses, right? Moses, therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. And so when Yahusha finally came, we no longer need a tutor. We need who alone? The Christ. Yahusha HaMashiach. He is the one true executive leader of the Kahal, the church. He is all that we need. And it applies to him. Does Yahusha speak to them face to face? What do you think? Yeah? Did Yahusha establish a covenant? Yeah. Is Yahusha our high priest? Yeah. Did Yahusha give up his life for us? Yeah. yeah. Does Yahusha still lead us even to this day, even though he's in heaven? Yeah. So who then is our executive leader? Yahusha. He's the only one we need. And so if we are to criticize Yahusha, oh, never do that. You get that? But can we criticize ourselves if we do something wrong? I mean, look at the apostles. Who was one of the greatest apostles? One of the greatest apostles? Apostle Paul. Okay. Did Apostle Paul actually meet face-to-face -face Yahusha, like physically? Who was one of the apostles that was very close to Yahusha? Peter. Peter, right? He was an eyewitness. Did he claim to be the overall leader of the church? First Peter 5, 1-4. The elders... For among you I exhort, I am I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, 
but being examples of the flock. And, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Here's Apostle Peter. Did he ever make a claim that he is the overall leader of the church? No. Who did he point to as the overall leader of the church? The chief shepherd. What was he then? He said, I'm a fellow elder. By saying he's a fellow elder, they were all equal. No one was greater over the other. This is why in the New Testament during our time, there is no executive overall leader of the church here on earth because he is in heaven, right? And even here on earth, if there are elders who commit atrocities, can they be criticized? Timothy 5.19, do not listen to an accusation against an elder unless it is confirmed by two or three witnesses. Those who sin should be reprimanded in front of the whole church. This will serve as a strong warning to others. I solemnly command you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus and the holy angels to obey these instructions without aching sides or showing favoritism to one you want. You get that? Apostle Paul says there was an elder. It doesn't matter who he is. If he's guilty of sin, he needs to be reprimanded. Did Apostle Paul reprimand Apostle Peter? Yes or no? Yes, in Galatians 2. Who is the elder apostle? Paul or Peter? Was it Peter? Peter. But because there was an overall executive leader here on earth, if we are guilty of sin, we should be reprimanded. We should be criticized. This is why no church leader today should be able to say, if you criticize me, then you're criticizing God himself. And you're going to be punished like Miriam leprosy. No, no, no. You're making yourself too great. You're making yourself like Christ. There's only one Yahusha. There's only one Christ. This Yahusha who is in heaven. Right? That's a good thing about Moses. Even when he was criticized by Miriam, and Miriam was punished, quoted Moses there. Numbers 12. So Moses cried out to Yahuwah, oh God, heal her. He begged Yahuwah God to heal her. You see the humility and the love that Moses had, right? This is why Moses was fit for that type of work because he was humble. See, the ones that Yahuwah God raises up are those who are humble. But if you raise yourself up, he will take you down, okay? And we're going to see that in future chapters of the book of Numbers. But before we finish, there's one last thing I want to show you. Before God set the quails, before God sent the meat, something that Yahuwah God wanted to do. Because when Moses was complaining, he said, I cannot carry this heavy burden all alone. And so what did Yahuwah God do? Numbers 11 and the verses 16, then Yahuwah said to Moses, gather before me 70 men who are recognized as elders and leaders of Israel. Bring them to the tabernacle to stand there with you. And so God is going to help Moses because God is a compassionate and he understands the plight of Moses, right? You know, when Moses prayed that prayer or when Moses spoke, said those things to Yahuwah God, it was because of a moment of weakness, right? We all have moments of weakness. 
This is why he said those things. But you know, God read the heart. The heart was he was overwhelmed. So God decides, okay, this is what you really need, Moses. You need help. And so I'm going to help you. What did God say? You're going to gather together those recognized as elders and leaders of Israel. And what will God do? 17, I will come down and talk to you there. I will take some of the spirit that is upon you, and I will put the spirit upon them also. They will bear the burden of the people along with you, so you will not have to carry it all alone. And so what did Yahuwah say to Moses? Once the 70 have been gathered, he said, the spirit that you have, I'm going to take some of it and give it to the others also. And what is the process? What do they have to do so that the spirit can be given to the 70? What was the instruction of Yahuwah God to Moses? Numbers 11, 24, 25. So Moses went out and reported Yahuwah's words to the people. He gathered the 70 and stationed them around the tabernacle. And Yahuwah came down in the cloud to, and spoke to Moses. Then he gave the 70 elders the same spirit that was upon Moses. And when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied. But this never happened again. And so Yahuwah told Moses, okay, I'm going to give you helpers. How many? 70. And he said, the spirit that's in you, I'm going to give it to thee. 70. But to carry this out, what did Moses have to do? He gathered them around where? The tabernacle. There was a promise of the Spirit, right? And the instruction so that the Spirit can be given to them was to bring them, to gather them in front of the tabernacle. And when this happened, what did God do? He poured His Spirit upon them, and when they had the Spirit, what were they able to do? They prophesied, right? They prophesied. That's a good thing. But look at the next, look at the next sentence. But this never happened. Again, for some reason, the others who received the same spirit, they restrained the work of the spirit. It never happened again for some reason. I don't know about you, but does this kind of uh, sound familiar? Maybe it doesn't sound familiar, but there's something else. You're going to be shocked with this one, especially those who like to think of black and white, black and white, no gray area. Numbers 11, 26, 27. However, two men whose names were Eldad and Medad had remained in the camp. They did not go to the tabernacle. They were listed among the elders, yes, but did not go out to the tent for whatever reason. The Bible doesn't say what. Yet, what does it say? The spirit also rested on them, and they prophesied in the camp. A young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. And so when God poured out a spirit to the seven, to the 68, actually, right? And they received the spirit. There were two who were not present. They were still in their camp. Who were they? Eldad and Medad. However, did he also receive the Spirit? Yes. After receiving the Spirit, what were they able to do? Prophesy. What does that tell you? It tells a lot, doesn't it? 
right? We cannot limit Yahuwah's outpouring of His Spirit on a process. You get that? Right? I remember not too long ago, there were people criticizing me. And they're saying, why should we listen to him preach when he was not even ordained by Brother Irania Manalo? He was ordained by Brother Eduardo Manalo. So why would you listen to him? He's not even ordained. Well, wait a minute. It's not about Brother Irania Manalo. It's not about Brother Eduardo Manalo. It's not about the process. It's about the decision to move. Yahuwah God. Does that make sense? If Yahuwah God decides to give anyone, he wants to choose to be given a spirit. Will they get the spirit? It's not up to us. We like to put God in a box. Okay, God, this is the only thing you can do. No, God can do whatever he wants. He can do whatever he wants. Who are we to put a box around Jehovah God? This is why even the two, Eldad and Medad, there was someone who probably got offended. That was Joshua. Take offense. He saw Eldad, he saw Medad receiving the spirit. They started prophesying. So what did Joshua do? Numbers 11, 28 to 30. Then Joshua, son of Nun, who had been Moses' helper since he was a young man, spoke up and said to Moses, Stop them, sir. Moses answered, Are you concerned about my interests? I wish that Yahuwah would give his spirit to all his people and make all of them shout like prophets. Then Moses and the 70 leaders of Israel went back to camp. Doesn't that describe our situation today? Right? There's one group who says only one person can receive the Spirit of God. Right? And there are some who are offended when somebody else is giving the Spirit of God. Right? What do we need to understand about the Spirit of God? It's not for us to choose. Who chooses that? Before God. Who got offended? Joshua. What did Moses say? He said, I wish that Yahuwah would give his spirit to all his people. And brethren, this scenario here is repeating again during our time. Do you remember that prophecy in the book of Acts? Doesn't it sound like this? Right? Where is that? The book of Acts, the final passage of our studies. In the last days, God says, I will pour out I will pour my spirit on everyone. Your sons and daughters will speak what God has revealed. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour my spirit in my servants, both men and women. They will speak what God has revealed. I will work miracles in the sky and give signs on the earth, blood, fire, and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will become red as blood before the terrifying day of Yahuwah comes. Then whoever calls on the name of Yahuwah, Will be saved during that time Moses and the seven with him. during our time that we have a Moses far greater than Moses right far greater than Jonah far greater than Solomon far greater than David who is that Yahushua. God through Yahusha will pour out his spirit but this time we will carry out the work of the spirit until the day of Yahuwah will come. This is why, brethren, open your heart. Open your heart. Receive from Yahuwah what he wants to give because he can only use us 
if we want to be used by him. God gave the opportunity for the 70 who were given the Spirit, but it only happened once because they restrained the work of the Spirit. God is giving again today. He's giving it to all of us. But do not restrain the work of the Spirit. You have to be willing to be an instrument of Yahuwah so that his message can be fully proclaimed. Do not restrain the work of the Spirit. Let him use you as an instrument to speak powerfully to proclaim the name of Yahuwah and the name of his son, Yahusha. Many more will receive salvation. That is our lesson. Let us stand, brethren, and we shall pray together. Almighty and everlasting Abba, yes. Yahuwah Almighty, we pray to you and yes, we thank you so much. Amen. For the clarity of your words, yes, of how God. timely they are. Yes. Indeed, a manifestation you are guiding us yes, by means of your spirit. Amen. Yes, in our journey here. Yes. While we are going through the wilderness, there yes. are many times in our life when we feel like complaining. Yes. Because we face challenges and we face many hindrances yes. and carry burdens that we cannot carry on our own. Amen. Father, thank you for being there. Yes. We need you now, especially remember your people. Yes. Lord. Different parts of the world who are crying out to you. Yes. Some may be perplexed. Some may be indecisive. Yes. Some may be overwhelmed by the persecution, the insults. Because they have chosen you yes. and have pronounced your name. Amen. Father, there's only so much we can do. Yes. yes but you can do everything. Yes. When we plan things, when we think of solutions, yes, we often give up. Yes. Because we are very limited. Yahuwah. Yes. You are our God. Yes. Listen, please. Yes. To the cries of your people. Amen. We will never complain to you. Yes, Father. Because we already have everything. Yes, Father. You have given us your son. Yes. You have given us your spirit. Yes. So that we can be brought to you. Yes. And Father. you are our true delight. Yes. To be with you is far greater than anything here on earth. And so, loving Abba, accept your people. Yes. We approach you oh, now. Comfort and console us. Yes. Strengthen us and revive us with joy. Yes. As we fixate our thoughts upon you. Amen. Yahushua, our King. Yes. May you Lord. send your spirit to us. Yes. We want to be used by you. Yes. Yes, your instruments. We will not restrain the work of the spirit. Whatever you need us to do. Yes. Whatever you want us to do. Yes. Whatever you want us to complain. Yes. We belong to you. Yes. We surrender to you. Yes. Please use us. Yes. Make us worthy before yes. you. Yes. Stand by our side. Yes. Lord. That we one day will be able to see you face to face. Yes, oh Lord. And be with Father, loving Abba. Yes. Together in your heavenly kingdom. Amen. Father, thank you so much yes. for forgiving our sins. Yes. Continue to heal your people yes. and give us strength we need. Amen. We ask everything in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahushua, Hamashiach. Amen. Amen.